Hi, and welcome to the returning Three Legs, Four Wheels F1 podcast. It's Paul here with... Sean. Kieran. And Lee. Sorry we've been uh, away again for the last few weeks, but, um, hey, families. Can't live... Ca- ca- yeah, can't live with them. Anyway, Formula One. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been, um, it, it, it's been a torrid few weeks, shall we say. It's just... So to make up for it, we're doing our half-term season review, and we've got uh, we've got a guest on the show joining us in a little bit. Although, according to Lee, I'm breaking time again. He actually joined us last Thursday, and we pre-recorded it. Uh. <laughs> in the meantime, how are we all after uh, after a month or so off? Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I think pretty we're good. All right. Yeah. Busy. Yeah. Very busy. But um, yeah, good. Yeah, I thought I thought I thought summer was meant to be quiet. <laughs> this is just reminded me. Actually, I meant to ask you this when we weren't recording, but I'm going to do it now so I don't forget. Oh God! I bought a hot, I bought a hot tub, and I need to ask you about chemicals. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I really, I really didn't mean that pop in my head before we started recording. <laughs> um, right. Well, first answer is yes. You'll need some. Chlorine. I've already got chlorine yeah. in it, but the, the other stuff, I don't know what I should be doing. Right. Second answer is, as we don't have a hot tub anymore, but we've still got all the chemicals, would you like them? I would love them, thank you. That would be <laughs> awesome. We have, a, we have a box of general hot tub crap and a load of filters as well, so... What was the other Amazing. chemical? I remember chlorine. I can't remember what the other one there was. There was pH plus and pH minus. Yeah, that's what <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, that was just a good night out. <laughs> That's why the hot tub made me feel so weird. <laughs> and spoke to me. <laughs> I've seen that episode of American Dad. <laughs> so, yes, as well as Formula One, come to us for hot tub advice. <laughs> 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 we need to we need to send this particular podcast to Lazy Spa and see if we get some some sponsorship. Where would we put the free hot tub that I'm sure Lazy Spa would send us because they're really nice people? We can't fit it. We can't fit it in the garage. That's true. <laughs> I, you know what? I do love a Lazy Spa. <laughs> my address is fourteen. <laughs> this this is a bold move. A bold, a bold move that might not have the fruits you want. No, I, mean, I, I no fucking Pringles turned up the other week, did it? So I don't stand a chance. Do you know when we started doing this podcast before? Um, well, it must have been. Were we doing this in two thousand eight? No. No. Right, so it would have been the second time. Oh no, yeah, yeah, because it would have been after two thousand eight. So that works. The um, so when I when in two thousand eight was the first time I had peanut butter M and M's when I was in America, and you couldn't get peanut butter butter M and M's in the UK for a while because you know it's it's not even a real country anymore. But the uh, uh, I asked for peanut M and M's, <laughs> and somebody sent me a stone of M and M's. <laughs> a stone of peanut M&M's. It just came. It was like this bot. It must have cost them a fortune to send it, let alone buy them. And yeah, it was tremendous. Wow. We don't just do this for free stuff, he says. Look, <laughs> looking looking at the box that a friend of his sent him about 20 albums in from America this week. Yeah. <laughs> Magic, one of, my, one, of my, one of my day job colleagues had a, a complete random turn up last week when she wasn't in and present her for her to look at a load of sheet music of songs that she's played on her program 
So it's in no way weird stalky behaviour. <laughs> so, Kieran, you're not going to be getting a lazy spa, but you <laughs> might would, get... Would, would, the, would this co-worker be like a mutual friend of ours? It, it would, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> she's got to, that, that's a weird crowd she's Oh, got. very much so. <laughs> Isn't she the late night crowd? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just taxi yes. drivers who aren't taxis. No, no, no. This was, this was a man who'd come over from Gloucestershire... Um, and walked up to the radio station that we work at, which is on top of a big hill. Um, oh God, he'll, he'll have walked past our house. I'm gonna, yes. I'm just gonna nip out and disinfect the pavement. Yes, decided he wanted a tour, which is not a thing we do for people who turn up on spec. Disappeared into a toilet for a suspiciously long period of time, and then yeah, got this sheet music out. <laughs> I feel like I should be finishing this sentence with hello patrons. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the silly season. Money. It all goes at this point. Wow. <laughs> oh, God. You know those songs you just played? Here's how to play it on a piano, which you don't have. I and can't you have play. the song. You can't play. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Next, the lyrics in Latin. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, if we're, do, if we're doing that, I'm, this is turning into a half Patreon show, isn't it? Because sod all left want to talk about until we do the teams. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah um, my dad, as I've mentioned before, hasn't hasn't been too well lately, and um, it was um, suggested to him. Now he's got a little bit of movement back in his right hand uh, because the physio appears to be working. Um, learning to play piano would be um, would be beneficial. So I'm, I'm going to do I'm going to do the dutiful thing here, being sort of you know the the caring offspring and occasionally a musician, but mostly a bass player before Lee says it. So <laughs> my mum said, uh, you know what what would you recommend? It's like don't worry, I'll take care of it. I'll 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 buy one. So went onto Amazon and I looked for a kids learning piano, and the only ones that I could find that were suitable, that had, like, built-in tuition, also came with a microphone so you could sing along to what you were playing. <laughs> so I did the decent thing and ordered that for him and bought a pair of noise-cancelling headphones from my mum. Put him a Bond 10 PPF. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, I, I buy those gifts for my niece and nephew just to wind up my sister. <laughs> Every year, is it the drum kit or the trumpet? <laughs> what am I going to do? What can I get her with this time? <laughs> <laughs> did, did we did we do that once one year to uh, a friend that had not long had kids? So t- uh, turned up with Christmas present for offspring, and um, it was something that was loud, made a lot of noise, and then we scarpered like nobody's business out the door. Sounds sounds like something we'd do. I, mean, I think I think it was I think it was Hell Child, <laughs> who is now Hell Teenager. <laughs> I suppose we better. Lee, uh, sorry, sorry. Go on, go on. Lee, are you teaching your son the drums? Kind of. I've, he's got drums. He's not playing them at the minute. The uh, the the mission to turn him into an MMA fighter is definitely going better <laughs> yeah. than the mission to turn him into a musician. <laughs> the same. The same motor skills generally. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 all good. Like, yeah. I mean, realistically, he can't protect me with drums, so you know. I don't know. I reckon if you like whacked someone round the head with a drum, 
I reckon you might yeah, do some damage. That's allowed in the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a snare. I, I thought it was just no nuts, no eye gouging. I don't think anyone said anything in the rules about no drums. <laughs> and bearing, and bearing in mind, <laughs> bearing in mind some of the venues over here, knowing how to hit someone with a drum is pretty, pretty useful. <laughs> it, it does feel strange though, because like he's he's in his, uh, he's just moved up to a, like six plus um, in the year, the the school he's going to, and uh, I, I mean obviously I expect it because how how else are you supposed to do this? But it do, it does seem weird. When the coach says at the beginning of the lesson, right, we're going to do warm up exercises, then we've got takedowns, then we're going to play a game. So they play like a game of football. He said, then we're going to learn cross collar chokes. <laughs> it's just weird. It's great, but weird. When you when you say football, do you mean Australian rules? No, no, no. Just to, they, they just play a little game. I think it's just to make the kids think they're actually having fun and not being turned into assassins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. Yep, we're back. Um, right, f- Formula One, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so we're roughly at the halfway point of the season. We're in the summer break. And um, what better thing to do than... Give the teams their half-term report. So we'll do it. Yeah. We'll do it in the normal way. Work from uh, work from the back to the front, which means we have to start with AlphaTauri. Yep. With their three points. Ah, oh, one for each driver. <laughs> I, the funny thing is, it it does feel like the um, the the beginning of every season. This season being no different, where we started talking about. Is this the year that Alpha Tori is just going to be like best of the rest because like they've got all the help from Red Bull, and it couldn't be further from the truth? No. <laughs> <laughs> next year, apparently, next year again, this year's Red Bull car. Mm. With is the, that the is appar- that the deal? Is it apparently with Hugo yeah, Boss logos think, all yeah, over? Yeah, that is that is the official yeah. rumor. They're getting rid of Alpha Tori as well, aren't they? And I think. I don't know if they're going to go back to being Toro Rosso. Oh or... no! Apparently they've said they are not. They're not going to be Toro Rosso again. Okay. So it looks like it's going to be Hugo Boss Racing. Excellent. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't mean anything, obviously, because it, yeah, but I, I think I'd prefer that to Alpha Tauri. Yeah, but I oh, think um, or Toro Rosso actually. I I didn't know Alpha Tauri was really a thing before they became a thing in F one. Much like Alpine, yeah, yeah, that as well. Yeah, um, the, these things come along and go. Oh, they're big brands. I know I grew up on the Isle of Wight, but there's a limit here. I must have heard of one of these things, you know. But, yes, um, I grew up in the Isle of Wight, not like not fucking Congo. Yeah. Tell me when Matalan F1 comes along, and I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah, I've heard of it. We can have Ike racing. <laughs> Um, yeah, Alpha Terry been crap. Yeah, I mean the the car's the car's been terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick DeVries was terrible. Was terrible, <laughs> and it's now going to Harvard instead. Oh yes, yes, he's, yes, yes. Yeah, he's given up motor racing and he's um, doing an MBA. The um, the the Nick DeVries situation is yet another reason. For, this is probably the worst place for me to say this. Um, the yet another reason for why I hate Formula One fans. Is um, <laughs> the same people 
that were so upset that he wasn't given another race after being terrible for the whole season with are the same people that if he'd carried on after the summer break would have said, well, well, they should have got rid of him, shouldn't they? Why haven't they? Why isn't Daniel Ricciardo in that car? <laughs> yeah, famously fickle. Oh, I think I saw them on the John Peel stage. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jeff, I've I stolen mean, your joke again. <laughs> when your backup option is Harvard, I wouldn't say you'd be too disappointed with losing your F1 seat. <laughs> No, sport, I, I, you know? do you know what though? I respect that the the fact that he's because he's done Formula E. Mm-hmm. Clearly, was he clearly was doing Formula E as a reason, as a way to try and keep his hand in if he should get the chance to come to Formula One. Mm-hmm. Came to Formula One, didn't work out for him. That's it. He's not. He doesn't doesn't want to scratch about carrying on doing like motor racing because he he couldn't do what his original mission was. It's mm. a really good point. You know, yeah. Uh, Nicholas some drivers Latifi's are... just done the same. I think he's going mm-hmm. to. Is it London Business School? He's going to. I yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Some people are just <clears throat> resigned to carrying on and on and on and never achieving the same level of success. Your Nick Highfelds, your in a sense Felipe Massa, he was no good in Formula E. Even uh, as, as much as I hate to say it, Fernando Alonso. Yeah. That's where it's paid off. You were never getting the 41-year-old Nick DeFries on the podium at the 2036 <laughs> Antarctic Grand Prix, were you? you know? But, I mean, aside from, aside from that, the car is an absolute... It's a shed built by somebody who's never even seen a shed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it isn't compared to the cars, but the midfield now is so tight in Formula One. Yeah. There's realistically no like bad cars. It's not like the uh, the bad Williams. Remember the bad Williams, which had the stalling issue, and if a crosswind hit it the wrong way, it was in the barriers. It's just slow. Yeah, yeah. it's not. It's not in the right hands either. Mm. I think it's in half a right hand with Yuki Tsunoda. Clearly, he had a good first few races, but Ooh, if the car's Daniel not... shade already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the ashes is over now. I'm, I no longer need to piss off most of the Australian listeners of this podcast. Um, can we just so, hang on until after the um, Women's World Cup semi-final on Wednesday morning? Sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you want to wait and put this out on Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll still wind any of the Aussies up that are listening to it before the match, which I am sure England will bottle. Participate in. Yeah. As will Australia in a football match, which I'm sure to be will be one of the many great football matches which take place this year between two teams. <laughs> anyway, off the fence, uh, Daniel Ricciardo, what a prick. <laughs> I don't mean that. I mean, he, he said that um, the last two races were like his pre-season testing. Now he's on a fitness programme, and by the time the Dutch Grand Prix rolls around in a couple of weeks' time, he'll be race fit. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going yeah. well for Daniel Ricciardo. And uh, if he hadn't have, uh, just gone wide a little bit in qualifying and had that lap disallowed, he'd have beaten Yuki Tsunoda in his second race. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm. <clears throat> so it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what he can do with an absolute dog of a car. And then it'll, it'll also give us an idea of what's Tsunoda like. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what though? It kind of doesn't, does it? Because we still don't really know what Ricardo we've got. 
I mean, if if we get a good Ricardo mm. and a good Sonoda, all of a sudden it's like, oh right, okay. Um, if Ricardo isn't any good, there's the excuse of well, he's been out for half a year and he's just been parachuted in, and what's he meant to do? Car's no good. Yeah, I think there'd be excuses to save his blushes, mm-hmm. but realistically, uh, he has to beat Sonoda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you have to stay in Formula One. No, that's kind kind of it. I think if he if he finishes ahead of Sonoda, um. Now, from from now over the course of the season, uh, he will still be in some sort of Formula One car next year. Yeah, I get. I get the feeling it'll be um, in the whatever the Red Bull second team is called. If they're going to give them a decent car as well, you know, because I mean, realistically, we we don't know what the other teams are going to make up uh, for next year. In, in the realms of performance, but you've got to think that this year's Red Bull next year would still be a solid midfield car. Yeah, you you would hope so. Yeah, because I mean the gap that it's got over every other every other car on the grid. Um, then that, that could be the second car because we don't even know how big that gap actually is. Yeah. Mm. You know, can we see anyone catching Red Bull this year? No. Can we see anyone catching this year's Red Bull car next year? I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the off season is such a random organizer sometimes mm-hmm. that you never know what's going to catch up and what's going to be a pile of crap. the The biggest swing we've seen up and down probably of recent years was when Ferrari went from 2019 being race winners to, was it, 6th, 7th in the championship in 2020? Mm, yeah. so that was all down to secret shenanigans. Mm-hmm. That that sort of swing is what I'd expect if next if this year's Red Bull ended up on the grid with the worst team next year. You know, Haas would bite their... That's not a term, is it? Bite their hand off. They'd bite their own hand off to get next year's Ferrari's car. Essentially, that's what I'm saying. If yeah. they had Ferrari's car next year, they'd go for it. They'd love it. Mm-hmm. So, and you'd probably see Haas going up the grid. Well, look what happened to um, Force India, not Force India, whatever they were called at the time. Racing was, point. Racing point. Yeah, uh, when they got the the hand me down Mercedes. Mm. Yeah, and all they got was the drawings. They didn't even get shoveling and everyone in with it, did they? Mm-hmm. Nope. They just got the drawings, and all of a sudden they were third best team on the grid. I suppose that would be yeah. the thing for Alpha Tori, isn't it? They wouldn't just have a car, they would have knowledge of how to set it up. Mm-hmm. And that would, in essence, save Yuki Snowda's career. Because I think if Daniel Ricciardo does end up beating Yuki Snowda this year, I don't think that's him necessarily done. I think he might get one more year before he, he's, they he's come got, in. Liam it, hasn't he? He's just signed a contract for next year. Oh, he is ha- it? He I'm has, sure yeah. he has. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, certain. okay. Pretty certain. So um, then you've got to look at where what what is the point of Yuki Tsunoda in Formula One, you know, with an asterisk of on the Red Bull team, you know, because he's not going to get the 2025 drive. We know he's not getting 2024. He's not going to get the 2025 drive because if Perez is still any good next year, um, <laughs> then he'll lose it to Daniel Ricciardo potentially. Mm-hmm. So where is what what's the final landing point for Yuki? Because he's clearly not going to be showing good enough results to step up in the Red Bull unless 
that car next year is the second best team on the grid and he's consistently putting in third, fourth, fifth above your Hamiltons, Leclerc's, Alonso's, mm. etc. Aston Martin. Yeah. That is my th- that is my theory because rumour has it we're doing silly season, aren't we? Rumour yes. has it when Honda come back, they're going with Aston Martin. Oh yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's, you, that's confirmed, isn't it? Twenty twenty six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think if it is confirmed, then don't forget, Sonoda is a Honda product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why he's in that car at the moment, really, isn't it? I, I he think it, and he Honda, has to do something then because Honda is still the, Honda is still giving Red Bull support with the Red Bull powertrain. They're not fully making their own until twenty twenty six when it's a mm-hmm. rebadged Ford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but I, he has to do something though, because he, I, I don't think it, right right now. Although he's he's doing a reasonable job as a Formula One driver, I don't think he's doing enough between now and twenty twenty six, like three years, to uh, lay claim to, you know, to be the chosen son of Honda. Yeah. Who, yeah, else, not, who, who else? Who else have they got though? Because I mean, Honda always want a Japanese driver. Yeah, Ayumu Awasa. Bless you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> but Red, Red Bull own him. Red Bull owns him. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Awasa um, would be like the next of the Japanese drivers, but eh. after that, I mean. This might be the Western way of looking at it, but I don't see anyone in F2 or F3. And Super Formula is all about Liam Lawson. It is. Yeah. Super Formula's not a serious thing anyway, is it really, if we're all honest? I th- it's a serious thing if you've just missed out on the Red Bull seat. Yeah. 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 But I, I mean, as, as far as like a stepping stone to Formula One, that's yeah. not a stepping stone. That's That's a pretty big jump, and you've got to do like a double jump and glide. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. I don't think you're looking at Super Formula as an equivalent of an F2 or even an F3 no. to get your next driver in, unless there's something we're really missing out on, which is a huge story. And at the moment, like Paul says, that's Liam Lawson, isn't it? Mm. He's got a special and set even of skills. Liam Lawson. Oh, no. don't, don't. <laughs> I, I, all, all fucking June and July, I was going. Come on, just take Ricardo. Just take, <laughs> don't put Liam Lawson in the bloody seat. And luckily, they announced Ricardo whilst I was down with my dad on the island. And I was. <sighs> I don't think Red Bull can have an awful lot of faith in Liam Lawson because Ooh. I don't. I don't think you sign Sonoda now if you do. Yeah, Un- it... unless you have a load of faith in Daniel Ricardo replacing Perez. Mm. And I think they might, though. Yeah, that does feel that's... like the natural. That's the thing. Order I mean, Rick, Ricardo's only on loan until the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Te- technically, his team is still Red Bull. But when it, co- when it comes down to it, it's Helmut Marco that decides one, who's employed, and two, which car they're going to sit in. Yep. Mm. And I think... that's, that, I think, is the case for all the other series as well. I think the thing to to remember is, and often, uh, like Formula One uh, fans seem to have like a bit of like chosen amnesia for certain things. Like he, he had he had 
two bad years in, in McLaren. He didn't get on with that car, got smashed by Lando. That is, and I think actually this year, um, although like Piastri's looking really good anyway, um, but it it almost doesn't seem as bad, I don't think, him getting smashed by Lando because he's every single race he's looking more and more like a future world champion. Um the thing I need I sort of look at with Ricardo is is to take out take away McLaren and go right, well, without that move to McLaren, every single season Daniel Ricardo has been in Formula One, he's been a better driver than Perez. There's no, there's not one time where Perez has looked like a better Formula One driver than Daniel Ricciardo up to McLaren. Oh, I don't know. So, yeah. um, I don't know. Ricciardo's first season at Renault. Well, I was thinking the second season at Renault. I, I don't. But even then, he got better. He did get better at Renault. But he was still the, um, he was still the clear team leader in that car. Yeah. And he was, you know, he was, he, he was still doing the best of a bad job, and then, you know, got podiums and stuff uh, towards towards the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I, I I would never argue that he sh- he shouldn't have left Red Bull. That he should have stayed in Red Bull. He he essentially did the um made the same mistake Fernando Alonso made. Which time? Which Alonso, time? <laughs> well, when Fernando Alonso <laughs> lost to Lewis Hamilton, uh, I think Fernando should have stayed in McLaren. And um, yeah, I, I I think there's. Uh, probably get shouted out for this as well i think <laughs> fernando would have beaten uh lewis the next year in that in that car um yeah but Fern- fernando couldn't have stayed could he because of the whole spygate thing and even yeah I, e- I, even, I, I'm, even i'm though, putting that in the mistake even, <laughs> even though fernando wasn't involved because it's a major formula one controversy ending in gate happening to a team that fernando is driving for but he still had nothing to do with it i think that's fair but um so this show the show this week is brought to you not only by lazy spa but also teflon i mean to be fair (laughs) to be fair the spygate thing i don't think fernando had anything to do with the spygate thing i think it was more of a case of he felt he was being fucked by ron dennis and he said if you don't stop fucking me i'm gonna fuck you with spygate that that BBC series on Spygate is very good because it does it doesn't skirt around the edges of what Fernando might and might not have known mm-hmm. and what emails he might have sent to Pedro de la Rosa and yeah. so forth. Um, but he also he did that interview with um, uh, Andrew Benson a couple of weeks ago on the Hungarian Grand Prix in two thousand seven, which apparently he's never said anything about in an interview, which I didn't know about. Where he he sort of he basically said well, I've been hard done by and that's that move on. You go well, okay. But, <laughs> you know, that, it wasn't just that, was it, Fernando? There's more to this, isn't there? But you know, they didn't explore it, which is a shame. I don't know. I, I think the thing is, I I think you'd have to be pretty daft to not think that the. Like the Lewis Hamilton train of him coming in as this fucking young kid, which looked amazing in junior formulas. The uh, the fact that he's he's got he's a rookie up against a multiple time world champion, and he could win his the uh, the championship in his first year. I think you'd have to be an idiot to not think that Ron Dennis 
was perhaps was made Lewis Hamilton a preferred driver in that scenario. I mean, we did, we did used to joke back when we started eight long years ago that um, Ron Dennis actually grew Lewis Hamilton in a test. Yeah, trip. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's I, I just, that, that's the thing. I just, I I think the the idea, and to, I'll, I'll I'll be dead honest. I simply don't believe that Lewis Hamilton as a rookie. Uh, in equal machinery could challenge Fernando Alonso. I don't believe that's possible. I think, don't get me wrong, I think he'd annoy him. I, I, and he's he's more than good enough to annoy him. But in his first year in Formula One, if things, if the DAC isn't stack, stacked in his favour within that team, no way does Lewis run, run Fernando like he does did there. Um, and I think it's, it, it shows, like, as, as we, uh, anyone that read, the the mechanic the founder of Alonso was like giving cash bonuses to his side of the garage because he he believed that McLaren were trying to like were, were favoring Lewis so he was trying to keep his garage his his garage yeah that comes up in that Spygate podcast as well yeah so yeah. I, I don't I don't believe that you don't do I don't think you do that just out of um, paranoia. Well, hopefully, if things, things fall into place, we might be getting Mark Priestley on the show at some point in the not too distant. So, um... it would be incredible. My fav, my favorite um, uh, biography of all time. Yeah. I love it. All, all being well, um, we're just trying to just trying to work out a date when uh, yeah. when he's free. But yeah, that's an exclusive for you. We'll, and if, um... you, if if you are listening to this, Mark, I promise I'm not saying that just to try and butter you up for coming on the podcast. I absolutely adored that book. It was amazing. And of course, you need to do the return of Who's a Turtle Shunt for that, mate. Yes. Or if you can't, I'll do a... Who the bloody hell's that, then? <laughs> <laughs> Have I mentioned how much I love Lazy Spa hot tubs? <laughs> <laughs> Frequently. <laughs> um... Right, my garden is really empty out there. If only there was a solution. I, I half think if if we're going to get sponsored by Lazy Spa, we need to also be sponsored by like our uh, our nearest energy facility. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm afraid to say we're going to have to go all anonymous because it's Alfa Romeo next. Oh God! How are I mean... they above Alfa Tauri? Oh, Nick DeFries, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean. We, we've joked in the past, anonymous Sauber. And that was when they weren't scoring points. They're now scoring points, and they are still fucking anonymous. I can't name one standout performance from either of them this year. No. no. Oh, I should be able to, because Joe had one good race, didn't he? The, the only notable thing that I can actually say about Alfa Romeo this year, and it's the only thing that I've noticed, is Valtteri Bottas got lapped by Lewis Hamilton in the Miami Grand Prix this year at the same corner that Lewis lapped him in last year's Miami Grand Prix. <laughs> That's... Does that it's come from a, That's a, a, of, uh, a useless... Sean? No, that is, one, that, that, that is all me. That is all mine. <laughs> that, that is a thoroughly useless piece of information. Which about sums up Alfa Romeo this year. <laughs> Audi, Audi to be... No, they're going to be Audi in three years' time, but they're not going to be Alfa Romeo next year. No, uh, rumour has it Haas are going to be Alfa Romeo next year. Mm. So we could see the Sauber name return to the grid temporarily. 
Possibly. I Yay, don't, I don't think Two another years. title sponsor has been forthcoming yet, but I imagine they'll be I mean, on the, the lookout. Yeah, I mean they've got the they've got the stake sponsorship. Mm. Which is a cryptocurrency casino? Is that the thing with the green um Oh no, that's left, Kick. That's, that's the kick. That, that's okay. a new streaming service that isn't Twitch. Sure. <laughs> that's for Vimeo of streaming services, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Mastodon, <laughs> MK Dons. I'm talking about other less, slightly crapper versions. <laughs> for F1 sake, no, not gonna say. Anyway, um, oh. so, I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. WTF? Yeah, you what are you talking about? it's not fair you've got missed apex as well (laughs) um but yeah can you can 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 we say anything notable about alfa romeo we've got a past his sell by date valtteri bottas who has actually said this week yeah it makes perfect sense for me to hang on and um stick around for the audi transition and still be here what? He's been posting pictures why. on Instagram of him having lots of beer this week. Oh, has he now got a beer instead of a, as well as a gin? Yeah, yes, he's been. He's at one of these events where you get all the beers on a wooden paddle. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. You stop offending my culture. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't want... look like a proper, like normal person beer festival, though. It was obviously some kind of artisanal rich person beer festival. Mm. <laughs> If you can name the hops and then spell them after eight of those, then you're not doing it right. <laughs> has, um, has any like ex ex top F one driver, which looked set to fall out of the sport but caught themselves on the like on the way down, been as lackluster as Valtteri Bottas? The last half of Ki- the last half of Kimi. Mm. Yeah, but th- that's the thing though. When he um, when he came back, it wasn't like that. This is just seems to be a complete fall into obscurity. Well, I mean, the last, the last half season, not the last half of his career. But yeah, you're, yeah. Uh, you're right with Jack, the ba- bouncing around various teams. Mm-hmm. They uh, are Benetton, Salva. Getting, oh. getting a theme here. <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty grim. The Vilna return was grim. John uh, Jean- uh, but- you know, he, he was bigged up as he, he's going to be huge. He's going to be massive. He's he's he, going to be. Was he ever? He won one race, uh-huh. <laughs> and then yeah, then went. But that—that's the thing, Villeneuve. I'll give you, but he was like never, like you said, he was never the he was never a top line driver. Mm. You know, he was never in the top car at the time. You know, he was never in the, not like Bottas was. What, Villeneuve, I, Villeneuve wasn't in the best uh, car when no, he won Lacey. the World Championship? He won a World Championship. No, no, I, I said I met a Lacey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah he's the, in one the, of the worst Ferraris, wasn't he? Yeah, because the, the only other other person I can think that's probably the Bottas mould is Barrichello. You know, being like subservient to Schumacher for all that time then falling down, but he's still in his... Like the on his way out of Formula One was you know in, in Williams mm. was you know he was being pretty competitive wasn't he the, yeah. you could argue that he was kind of pushed out of Formula One and there was probably worse drivers on the on the, the worst drivers on the grid when he mm. went. What about he won two in Braun didn't he? He won two races. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about and Schumacher? His last couple of years with Mercedes. 
I think I think that's better than we might have thought it was if we were, if we could be bothered to go back and watch the entire season <laughs> which obviously we're not going to be um because at the time we, we we didn't think Nico Rosberg was just Nico Rosberg True. he wasn't Nico Rosberg that future was world champion toe -toe, yeah, yeah and going toe to toe with Lewis, Lewis Hamilton uh so that's why I think I, I think he Schumacher might have been in a tougher position there than we thought he was. Mm. Um, I put Frenton at the bottom of that category as well because I mean he was in with the, he was in with a shout of winning the title in the Jordan. Yeah, crazy year. And then he just descended into the complete abyss. Mm. Actually, was in Sauber as well, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> got a podium in the Sauber when they weren't in... as, when they weren't as anonymous. No, I think everyone else fucked up. <laughs> I'm almost certain it was a USA Grand Prix where seven finished, and it wasn't the wacky one either, was it? <laughs> um, yeah, he got third, and it's one of those moments where I think the Ferraris came one two. The up to go on the podium, they turned around and went. Oh, you're right, Heinz. Who finished third? No, no, really, who? <laughs> no, really, who? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Bottas is not the driver he was. And as bad as Sauber are, they're not the team they used to be. BMW really screwed them over. Yes. Hmm. And they, they they were becoming a top team. Mm. Yeah, and then then you get the era of uh, the three drivers. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and who owns it? And Marcus Ericsson's dad's mates are putting the money in. And what the hell's going on? And Alfa Romeo, right, okay, so it's going to... You know all this Ferrari Fiat Group money. It's gonna sort. It's gonna sort things out, and they've just been utter, utterly bland. And Bottas just has appeared to have lost all talent. And I think Joe Guan Yu is the more talented of the two drivers at the moment. Bottas strikes me as a guy that's given up. Mm. Yeah, but he's making all the noises to say that he's not, which, I which don't is get. worrying. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, this is your. This is you as. Well, okay. God. <laughs> I thought this was you as shit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. There's no. What is the point of a Valtteri Bottas right now? I, I said this a few weeks ago, didn't I? It feels harsh, but I don't see that. I don't see his reason in Formula One. He's not going to win a, a, a race. He won't get another podium, but for, you know, a, a McLaren-style turnaround for AlphaTauri, and even then, it's unlikely. He's being outraced by a person who arguably probably didn't do enough to get his F1 seat in the first place. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't see the point of a Valtteri Bottas right now. But for, and, you know, I don't think he's a listener, so I don't think I will apologise this time. <laughs> but I tell you what is lovely, coffee and triathlons. So go do that. <laughs> Give Teo Porcher the seat, you know. Give Science a seat in twenty twenty six. I think Enjoy that's what they need. Yeah, they're going to need like it's it's all well and good saying, "Oh, well, he's an um, like 
he, he he's an experienced driver. But it doesn't. It, it, at what point does that stop mattering? If mm. you know, if they're not, they're, they're not doing getting the anything bit. for it. Yeah. Are they? Um. So it's, especially for a team that's looking to move up the grid as well, you know, they they want to they want to be winning races, don't they? In three years. Hmm. And I can't, I can't see that happening on their current trajectory. Audi will have to bring something spectacular to the party. Yes, um, I mean, I think it's possible. I th- the, if if that's um, if this season has taught me anything, which I know we'll, we'll talk about McLaren before, it's that massive swings can happen. Hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think the next team. Even though it doesn't show it on the um, on the actual running order, but the massive swing for Williams, because from so far off the pace to almost regularly in Q three, yeah, mm. yeah, and getting you know getting points finishes. All right, they've only had three races where they've been in the points this season. They've had some absolutely dire runs of luck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they looked at the the Belgian Grand Prix. I know it didn't work out this way, um, in in the end. But there was like legitimate pundits that were looking at the times from uh, from testing, going, "Can um, can Albon get pole?" Mm. You know that that there was a legitimate thing of like, "Where's the Williams going to end up?" Yeah, and I think we're com- we're coming towards some circuits where the speed of that car, mm-hmm. because even at, even at the worst. Williams Williams always had a car that was quick in a straight line, but they're now actually managing to get it together to be a little bit quicker in the corners. Mm. And we're coming, up, we're coming up to a few circuits where speed matters. You know, I mean, Monza will be very interesting. Because that, yeah. that is just stick your foot down and see you at the other end. Yeah. Yeah, that's Williams needing to get a double points to finish there, isn't it? Mm. To, to keep them 7th, 8th, ninth. Yeah, and I think... I think Sargent, um, Sargent has improved so much since the, since the start of this season. I know he's um, getting more track miles in in older cars, which is helping a great deal. Hmm. And Williams themselves yeah, have said... It worked for Lance Stroll. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Williams themselves have said um, it's all Piastri's fault that he's there. They brought him in a year too soon. Yeah. Because they, they didn't have anyone else that could um, could take the take the seat that was going to be Piastri's because there was no way they could keep Latifi on. Yeah, this is the thing with Sargent. I they he he's got to start he's got to be there next year because he has improved, but they can't make the same mistake they made with Latifi by giving him a third year just to dip your toe in the water sort of thing. If he if he isn't if he isn't you know matching Albon in a couple of years time I know Albon's a lot better than he deserves in that Williams at the moment. I don't think Albon will be in that Williams in a couple of years' time. No, he could very much. He could be the Alonso replacement at Aston Martin. He could be one of those up there in thirty um, thirty eighty five. When Alonso makes his seven hundredth return to um, Renault or whatever they're called, then <laughs> it's just the head in the jar, like in Futurama. <laughs> yeah. in um yeah i don't know i i i think they can't if if logan Sargent doesn't pick up seriously in the next year and a half i i mean this i'm looking this way ahead but i don't think they can give him the third chance the third year alex polo is 
being linked with Williams. Which would be interesting. I mean, he's a very complicated contract situation anyway. Alex Polo is being linked with um, any <laughs> Not team. McLaren. Any team apart from McLaren <laughs> that's got a good legal team. <laughs> so, an explainer for this one. So, this time last year, mm-hmm. McLaren Indy yes. said they'd signed Alex Polo for the 2023 season and he was going to be their F1 test driver and reserve driver on weekends where F1 and Indy weren't racing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, this didn't happen because Chip Ganassi said, hang on, he's got a contract with us for next year. Uh-huh. This was like a couple of weeks before the whole Piastri situation, wasn't it? It was very yeah. similar I mean, situation. It was, it was when McLaren were going around signing every single driver uh-huh. known to mankind. That must have left him with a chip on his shoulder. <laughs> I apologise. <laughs> <laughs> Regret nothing. That's my way of going those jokes. <laughs> so, Alex Pillow is currently leading the IndyCar Championship. Yes. Mm. And has now said he's not going to be driving for McLaren next year. Even though he's got a contract. Even though he's contracted with them. To which Zach Brown has said, hang on a minute. And Pillow has even sacked his management, who mm. negotiated this contract that he's got with McLaren for next year. So this now leaves McLaren without a reserve driver in the F1 team. He had a get-out clause with, in the McLaren contract if he got a, a Formula One deal hmm. with any team on the grid before, I think it was the 1st of July. Hmm. It was either the 1st or the 31st of July. Hmm. Whichever it was, it was sometime in July, and seeing as we're in August, that's obviously not happened. So you're losing Alex Pelou at McLaren. There's a potential seat that one day might pop up for him at Williams, mm-hmm. even though would you go from being IndyCar champion to eighth best team in F1 or seventh best team, depending when things shake out with Haas? Mm. I don't know. Um, I don't know, but would you, would, would you go from IndyCar champion to driving a Williams? Didn't work badly for Jacques before <laughs> everything went to shit. No. You know, or Bernardi. <laughs> Yeah, okay. It's, it's, I mean, it yeah, okay, so it's gone well it, for Montoya. It's it's close. It's closer to yeah. the Zanardi situation, going from IndyCar champion to the Williams. That oh god. <laughs> Do Williams just have a special IndyCar passport desk somewhere? At like <laughs> <South Yeah>. possibly. <laughs> yeah. I think that might have been a Frank thing, you know. Mm. The because uh, I know even before Montoya came to Formula One, like I remember. Um, like Frank gushing over him a lot. Yeah, it's quite savvy, isn't it? People have got their eye on the ball on either rich kids or the Formula Three Thousand, all that, and he spent his time looking at America. Mm-hmm. It worked for him twice. Yeah, yeah. Even Massa, you could argue, because Massa, um, when he was sacked from Ferrari, he was briefly looking at. IndyCar over there and just going, mm. sorry, I'll go to IndyCar before he went over to Williams. So, mm. you know, it's even then. Ah, maybe that's, that, that's why Esteban Williams. Gutierrez started sniffing around IndyCar so that Williams would take some kind of interest <laughs> in him. That, that didn't work. <laughs> no. No. I think Esteban Gutierrez started sniffing around IndyCar because Esteban Gutierrez. Is he an IMSA now? Is that where he is? I think he is, yeah. I think, is he one of the series where um, they do more points than just for the top 10? <laughs> so he's in, he's in a happy place now. Yeah. Did you once finish 16th in the F1 World Championship? 
come through this door. It's called IndyCar. <laughs> <laughs> but going um, going back to Williams, obviously the, the they are getting the structure in place. Uh, they're arguing over the um, capital expenditure spending allowance mm. because everything that they've got there is 10 to 15 years out of date. That's why uh, their floor's flat. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. can't do anything but make a flat floor because mm. they can't test it properly. Mm. And if they get allowed to spend um, to spend the money, then you know we could we could see we could see Williams fighting for top fives again. Yeah, you know I'm not I'm not I'm not going to say oh yeah the you know they'll they'll come back and it'll be the it'll be the Williams of the eighties and nineties. No, it won't. But mm. it'll it'll be the it'll be the Williams of the BMW era. Yeah, and mm-hmm. um, love, love to have known what Paddy Lowe. I'd I'd love to just to just speak to Paddy Lowe and see what happened in that. Was it how long was he there? Just over a year. Mm. I, don't, that. I don't think it was even quite that, was it? Mm. I'd love to know what I, happened there. It, I was, it was well, it was long enough to know that building a Formula One car is very complicated. But that the the top bomber is that guy didn't forget to do his job in twelve months. No. Very few people forget things that quickly. Yeah. Mm. Especially not when you've taken the secrets from the biggest team. Yeah. I know. Mm. I, I, look, I was, uh, I, I, I said all, all along through through that point on the show, I think the, I, I think Claire Williams got away with an awful lot Yeah. in that, in that thing. I think she got away with criticism that like if, if she'd have been a football manager, like she'd have been like burned at the stake. What what was going on in that that team? I uh, I ne- I never really understood why she never got the criticism she deserved, which was essentially destroying Williams. There was that great Peter Windsor article on how they picked the wrong child. It should have been Jonathan Williams. Um, I've never never read that. It'd be interesting. Yeah, it, it's it's a few. It's from when things started to go. Absolute tits up, let's say. He rarely is. gets anything wrong, Peter Windsor. He's he's kind of an F1 oracle. Yeah. <laughs> His F2 commentary in the pandemic year when they couldn't bring in all the sort of the bigger names that they tended to. Mm. You know, they started skipping around with people like Matt Gallagher. Alice Power is very good. Um, friend, of the, yeah, when, friend of the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, Alice Powell, very good. They did occasionally get Alex Brundle, and now he's more permanent. But Peter Windsor was brilliant because you'd go, wow, and what a stunning overtake from Dan Tictum on uh, on Sonoda. What do you think of that, Peter? Well, I remember in the 1957 race at Aintree, old William <laughs> Chappingham III overtook uh, <laughs> Alex Jakes going, uh, yeah, so that's six. <laughs> It was, it was just entertaining. It was very good. My Sunday, my, my son, Sunday morning after every race is watching his like race review on YouTube. Yeah, that's that's my Sunday morning for Monday morning. Sorry, before I go to work. Yeah, man's yeah, usually sat in a great de- oh. sat on the sofa in a great deal of regret, thinking, "Oh, why didn't I win the lottery this weekend? Or why haven't I had the idea that's going to be a millionaire?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Williams definitely a team on the up. Um, yeah. uh, be interesting to see how the second half of the season goes. There are more upgrades to come on the card, I've said. 
so we could um, we could get to see a few more points finishes. I really hope so. We need we need double points finishes. Yeah, you've got to get Sergeant in the points somewhere. Uh, right, Hass. Um, same same amount of points as Williams, but um, due to better finishing positions, they get classified seventh because they've had four points finishes. Oof. Oh, had the points in four races. Um, I never I never know what to make of Haas. No, at, at any given point, the, the I mean, you know, they're still on the grid. The the last of the independents, I guess. Because mm. um, they certainly don't have the same amount of money behind them that Williams do now with the Doralton ownership. Mm. Um, and. I mean, we take the piss out of Ferrari lurching from crisis to crisis, but I think Haas actually do it more. I don't know if they do it more. I think they're just in a permanent state of some sort of crisis. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Really good way of putting it. Yeah, I mean, the, there's, there's nothing major going on with them at the moment, so, you know, are they going to get a piano on the head by the time uh, we get to Holland? Gunter's been whinging in the last week or so about... Um expanding the number of teams on the grid well it dilutes the pot doesn't it it, does. it, it mm. you know it it takes money away and every penny counts and by all by all accounts they're the team with the smallest budget mm-hmm. on the grid now yeah. yeah and if they cease to be the only american team then that particularly would impact them i imagine mm. i i think it's really Espe- bad especially if the other team is andretti because who's who's every american f1 fan gonna or motor racing fam gonna get behind yeah mm. but i think it's really bad this whole team's blocking new teams coming in yeah yeah it's it's, it's anti-competitive it's anti-fan mm-hmm. you know it's there is it. it's just it's ultimate selfishness because um every other aspect of the sport benefits yeah, if you'd said to all the teams back in 2017, pre-Drive to Survive, okay, your teams are now your current your teams are worth 150 million. Uh, the prize pot is 600 million. Do you want an 11th team? And they all went nah. If you said to them now, okay, your team's now worth 600 million. Mm-hmm. Do you want to? You can have your teams worth in four t- being worth four times as much, but you have to take an 11th team. They go, oh, we take a 12th, take a 13th at that point, and we'll share. Yeah, but no, again they're now worth three, four times as much as they were pre-Drive to Survive, and they're going, nah. <laughs> well, that's that's what they're worried about, isn't it? It's, it's less about the pot being divided more, and it's more about the actual stake of a Formula One team being worth yeah. less because yeah, you, there's more of knock, them. You knock 60 million off the second Andretti get through the door. Yeah, Gunter Steiner made a really good point. I can't, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Gunter Steiner made a really good point on Sunday brunch. <laughs> where he said this is the, this is the same show that had Corey Taylor making pom poms the other week so yes <laughs> what yes <laughs> we talk about the same Corey Taylor yes here. yes yes he was there making pom poms with was it Jennifer Allison yeah <laughs> it was a very weird lineup it goes for Mike <laughs> <laughs> I mean a, a former a former bandmate of mine used to be their olive correspondent. He's on an episode of QI, isn't he? Oh, he's, bri- he's brilliant on it. He is absolutely amazing on it. 
Yeah, it's, it's, in, it's in the end series. The episode the was called Noise. Series. I think it was the Noise, noise episode. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, Gunter Steiner was sat there between. I think he's on with Enter Shikari, which was surreal <laughs> enough. They're going, yeah, Amazing. you got a new album out. Yeah, you got a book out. Yeah. Why are we here? I don't know. Well, it's weird. <laughs> he, he made a really good point of the fact that there's room for an 11th team and everyone knows it, but we're now in a position where we're, we're fighting for survival whilst being worth two or three times much as we were when we knew we were fighting for survival. And some teams are now just kidding themselves. But I mean, I know that he sort of, he speak, he tells it as he is, as it is. But I think even then, if you said to Gunsteiner, hmm, do you fancy 12, 20, 30, 40 million less for your team? Mm. They'll still say no. It's just how it is. I think it's stupid as well. Even on the, um, even, even on the business front of it, I think it's stupid because, the the minute you get if you get Andretti on the grid, you get more Americanized to Formula mm-hmm. One. I I think it doesn't take a and you know it's 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 a Andretti is a global global brand anyway. I don't think it takes a huge amount of time until Andretti pays for itself. Yeah. I, I'm much more interested to to watch to see if Andretti could be successful, and I am every year to see how much Ferrari can not be successful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you look at a team like Haas. Would you, do you sit there, look at Haas going, ah, oh, there's our American team? No, they're the most no. un-American thing <laughs> I've ever seen. The most American they were was their first year. After that, they were just, they, they were team... BD Energy, they were team dodgy mm-hmm. Russian oil. Mm-hmm. They they're now team oh sod it, we'll get those two back. Yeah. <laughs> There's no core identity to Haas apart from their main guy, Good Steiner. If he wasn't at the team, if if you ended up with a Fred Vasseur or a uh, Mario Mattiacci, whatever his name is, really boring sort of personality, should I say, even mm-hmm. if they're not boring conversationalists, the ones who don't bring a huge amount of charisma. Then Haas wouldn't just they wouldn't be marketable whatsoever. They're getting their butt saved by Gunter Steiner being a bit sweary. That, I mean that that's the thing. He's, he stopped them from being porridge. But you, yeah. you you're right. Now, now, now I'm going to get win, now I'm going to get whinged out in the same way that everyone had to go at me about broccoli a few months back. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but like the, I mean, they are the worst marketed product in the world. You've got three American Grand Prix car. Uh, got, you've got three American Grand Prix now. Um, the the I mean, there was an American driver going for grabs, which they could have tried to get in their team instead. Uh, their car is fucking grey and white. <laughs> their best-selling T-shirt is one of the team principal. But how is how, <laughs> how is their car? Not got a massive like stars and stripes across the side of it. Well, it's the Haas corporate colours, isn't it? Because it's um, Haas Automotive Engineering or oh, Auto yeah, Mechanical no, Engineering. I, I, you know, it's 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 in their corporate. It. It's in their you corporate. You can have that colours. within the livery without it being the mm, entire. Yeah. Livery. But I mean, but I mean, even in NASCAR, Haas aren't um, fuck yeah, Freedom Eagle. Yeah, but that does exist in NASCAR. Because Some mm, other team has that. They're in America. Yeah, they're in America. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, whole, like, the whole idea of doing it would be is because you are... You're showing American it to the rest of the world, aren't you? In a world championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
the uh, I mean, if if I was uh, uh, doing the logo, doing the livery for that car, it would essentially just be a massive Star Spangled Banner. And then if I if there was to settle the um, uh, like the the automotive side of it, three of the stripes going down the side of the car would be in the the Hass uh, yeah. the the Hass colours. That's what their car should be. It's, I, I don't I don't understand them. They're they're the team with the least energy in the world. I'd make it a left hand drive. Yes. One hundred percent. have fuck yeah writ large across the, the rear wing. <laughs> no, no, not not across the year uh, rear wing. That's when you look inside the car the car, that's on the accelerator. <laughs> and the brake's got pussy written on it. <laughs> I mean, you're saying the team with the least energy. I mean, a couple, you know, a couple of years ago with the uh, black and gold sponsor, that was the least energy because you couldn't find it in the shops. That's fair. <laughs> to be fair, since the company's gone down, it's it's in much more places. <laughs> <for> you, you <laughs> know. <laughs> I'm reading the book. I say I'm reading. I don't read. I'm listening to the book at the moment, <laughs> the uh, Rich Energy book, and I, I stopped it because I'm listening to the book of someone, which I enter in a minute. Um, but we've I've got to about an hour and what have we got? An hour and forty seven minutes in. There's seven hours left. Can I can I, can I can I just point out the authors do listen to this show? Oh firstly, <laughs> is it it's Alania and I will say Elizabeth. Yes. I'm really sorry about that. Um yeah, firstly, it's really good. But I don't know how much corruption you're gonna fit in in the next seven hours because <laughs> again the lawyer's involved. It's a little dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also listening for it because I I just know at some point Charlie Simpson from Buster and Fight Stars go come up in conversation in it, and I'm I'm dreading that. I'm just I will get to that point and move on from that bit in the story. But um, yeah, that's all I'm waiting for. It's, it's always fun until Busted turn up. Oi! <laughs> Twenty-seven sweet days until I see them. <laughs> That's nice. Anyway. <laughs> uh, if Taylor Swift becomes the director of Rich Energy, then I'll be truly gutted, you know, frankly. <laughs> That's where it's all going at the moment. Anyway, sorry, yeah, Haas. Right, yeah. Uh, so, Haas, um, yeah, where, where do they fit in? I mean, we said we said this about Alfa Romeo as well, but... Uh... They're the fifth best team in qualifying. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the thing, isn't it? The car's got to turn a speed because mm-hmm. over one lap, it's a quick car. They just mm. need to work out how to make it do it over like a few more. Yeah, I mean, apparent, apparently they just can't um, they just can't keep the tires alive, mm. and that's which that is probably why the they're issue. doing really well in qualifying because they're mm. heating the tires up really quickly and making yeah. them work for mm. a single lap. Uh, I don't know. They, to me, has seemed to be that it in the permanent rebuilding stage it's like you get halfway through the year and you're like oh well it's time to call time to call it a day on this car and we'll focus on next year and it, it's a loop that they seem to be in yeah because there's always oh yeah we we know what the issues are and we're going to correct them for next year mm-hmm. and then next year rolls round and it's oh we didn't actually predict that this was going to be the case and... To be fair, let's give them a chance. Actually, thinking about it, because it's been a while since Hass have had like 
a half decent peddler and i'd say two half decent peddlers to be perfectly honest now you know it's it's always been like a you know there's been a grosjean sniffing around or some something like that uh ready to fling it in the wall at any given time i think hulkenberg is exactly what that car needed mm-hmm. yeah i mean lee this is where you eat humble pie because you said um you said that he was done he was finished there's no way you can come back from that long away from f1 uh, yeah, I didn't think he could. I thought I thought it was a stupid move at first. I want don't get me wrong, I wanted it to work out for him, but I don't think on his re- return drives he showed anywhere near the form he showed since he's come back permanently. Hmm. You were much more complimentary of his co-driver. Um what um K-Mag. K-Mag. Yeah, I I don't understand where he's gone this year. Don't understand. Like he no. he you know, he uh he looped the part last year, didn't he? Oh, I was referring to back to about five years ago when I completely agreed with you and thought he was shit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God, yeah. Jesus Christ. Let's not, let's not try and confuse me into thinking that I saw it five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the I'm, the, I'm think... the nerdy bloke in The Simpsons with the glasses and the spots going, in episode 217. <laughs> the, only reason, the only reason I know five years ago must have been an actual thing is because I've got a six-year-old son. um yeah hulkenberg is is that's the right fit for that team they've never had two drivers who are definitely there this is the closest they've come and one of them sod's law has fallen away i think it's more the car that there seems to be something that he's just not getting on with so I I kind of have hope for it, for him. He he should get another year, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely, mm. yeah. I agree. Mm. Yeah, I think it, um, he's definitely definitely done enough to deserve it, and unless another American suddenly turns up from, uh, I think this is. is I think it's more a case of there's no one else sort of hovering on the sidelines. No, to take that seat Wasn't off them. There, hasn't there been a rumor about him potentially replacing Lance Stroll for next year? Hulkenberg. Um, I, w- I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it was a rumor. It was um, Will Buxton did a fantasy twenty twenty four grid, how he thinks it should look, and he said the best thing that the best thing that Aston Martin could do would be get Hulk back. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad move. I know that I, I know the silly season rumor was uh, uh, Nico going into the Red Bull garage go to see Christian Horner. I know that was a thing at the last race. That should have happened. A f- well, it nearly happened a few years ago, didn't it? It was down to him yeah. Rose. Mm-hmm. Oh, I the room, the rumour seems to be that Hulkenberg is being linked to replacing Alonso in 2025. That seems like a weird thing, because it's not like <laughs> Hulk's going to be a, like a spring chicken there. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Alonso will definitely be an old hen by then. Oh, you know, absolutely, but the uh, yeah, that that just seems like a really weird one. They've that... just received two hundred crates of just fermenter shift. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Al- Alonso's going to be. Can, can like... we not? Can we not talk about middle-aged blokes dying their hair, please? Because I need to. I, I, I need to do my roots. And I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to use just for men because I don't want it to go that shade of um, purple. Yeah, I think Alonso's going to be a real pain when it comes to future contract talks because mm. uh, Alpine made that mistake. Alpine made the mistake of thinking he's too old and uh, 
that you know it's the, the obviously Alpine would be in a much better place than they are right now if they had Fernando Alonso still behind the wheel of one of their cars. Yeah, we'll be do, we'll be doing them next. Alpine have got a yeah. lot of um, things to talk about. Yeah. yeah, but the thing with uh, Alonso is, I mean, what's the what 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 time do we put on him? Because he doesn't seem to be losing any speed. It's it's it, obviously a completely different sport. Kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan now. Is it you just? Oh, I was yeah. really. Hope, ha- I was really hoping you were going to say Tom Brady. <laughs> no, it's, it's just like how how long can you can this guy continue doing what he's doing at the the, the age he's doing, and um, I, I don't, I, I I just don't see, I don't see the form dropping off Alonso so quickly. I I, I think we're going to see him driving Formula One cars at like a really obscure age compared to the rest of the grid. Yeah. I mean, I mean, don't forget, Alonso is at about the average age of a Formula One driver going back to the top 50s and 60s. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. The, the top and bottom of it is that he could absolutely win a world championship in the right car. I think yeah. that's that's the difference. He, he can still do it. You take out the Red Bulls, he's currently leading the championship by 19 points mm-hmm. against he, Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, he would have won four of the first five races. Yeah. Um, Not crazy. For our American listeners, Ronnie O'Sullivan plays British colour pool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's like pool, but difficult. And for our yeah. British listeners, Tom Brady plays health and safety rugby. <laughs> well, no, he's, 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 he's Mr. Birmingham City now, isn't he? Oh, yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I heard it described um, as that no, by no, somebody no, no, a while no, back. I just no, thought that was brilliant. Just take it. No, you should. You should have just owned that joke. <laughs> Nobody would have thought about it, and they would have thought that was yours. Well, no, <laughs> as, as a as a fan of the NFL and the 49ers in general, I've got, I, I have to know what I'm talking about. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and we're both looking forward to our eight and eight seasons coming up this year. Just. <laughs> no, I'm 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 say I'm saying nine and seven. <laughs> Interesting. I'm looking forward to my eight and eight season this year. And Everyone's what what, what, what about to each other. what about yeah. what about game seventeen? Because it's now the seventeen game point. season rather than 16. eight and eight and one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll draw one. That's number one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the equivalent of whenever I go back to my dad's and watch Super Bowl back on the Isle of Wight, I go, oh, did Kl- Klapunski do a touch in? Did he do a throw down? <laughs> How did the Miami Cheesecakes do against the Baltimore Flim Flams? I remember hurting myself years and years ago when I was, when I was younger and I sat in my flat um, and me and my flatmate at the time don't do this, kids. Uh, took probably far too many of the prescription meds that I was given to to deal with the pain I was in, uh, and we watched Super Bowl. And you've never seen two people so high and so confused in your fucking <laughs> life. <laughs> my my mate Steve described it when we were at uni. I didn't get the sport at all, and we went over to our mates to watch it, and we were just lost. He said, "Oh man, that was an hour, but it was four hours." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Were you on the same things as Lee was on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and why was Mr. Blobby doing the halftime show? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to talk about Alpine now. 
Yes. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Clear, clear your diaries. This this could this could take some time. I mean, there's been there's been chaos since our last show. Yeah. I mean, firing your team principal and probably the long, longest serving member of your engineering staff mm-hmm. um, in the middle of a Grand Prix weekend. They did lose Oscar Piastri and Fernando Alonso under his watch. Then sack him then. Don't get halfway through this season and deal with it. Uh, that That's fair, but I'm just saying this. As, as much as Rob Fernley, not Rob Fernley, sorry, what's his name? Yeah. Isn't Bob Fernley dead? Yes. Yeah, rest in peace to Bob Fernley. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, rest in peace to Well, Bob actually, Fernley. he didn't help either. Don't say it, baby. <laughs> I, I, I just don't think, like, I don't think Schnarf is, uh, <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> is innocent in all this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was in pain. <laughs> Lee, you've killed the new guy. <laughs> I knew, I knew an odd eighties cartoon reference again eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm hurting now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yes, Alpine um, can't can't hang on to the drivers, can't hang on to the team principal. Um, promoted someone who then proceeded to fire everyone, <laughs> and now they're looking at bringing Bonotto in for some stability. Yes. <laughs> 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 I forgot about Bernardo then. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm I'm just waiting for him to say something like tonight, Matthew. I'm gonna we're gonna be Ferrari and walk through a bloody cloud of smoke. <laughs> do, you, do you know the hilarious thing about bringing Bernardo in is the fact that um, I, I think it was Renault's uh, the head of Renault, wasn't it, the other day? I said that he wants Alpine to be the French Ferrari. And they are well. They're going about it the bloody right way at yeah. the minute. One hundred percent, they're the French Ferrari. Not the way they want to be, but they're there. Oh, I, I'm so happy Fernando Alonso isn't there this year. I'm so, so happy. So's, so's Fernando Alonso. Like the, I imagine there's junior caterers who quit their work experience early, going for that was a close miss. I. Alonso must wake up every morning like giggling to himself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I don't I I don't get them. The the top and bottom of it is Renault want. Um, I mean, did Alpine did you see? They it... want them to be an advertising project, and they're not willing to put the effort into a team. I, I can't remember if it was Silverstone or Hungary. It was one. It was one of those two races when there was the um, Alpine double DNF. It's happening. It's happening a lot. And, uh, I think they both DNF at Silverstone as well. But no, uh, um, Ocon was being interviewed in the media pen after he'd gone out, and I think mm-hmm. it, I think it was post race. And uh, Alonso was stood about five feet behind him, and he just looked at the camera and did that wink and grin that he does. <laughs> <laughs> he he said something again about Andrew Benson 
uh, thing where they're saying, you know, they're better off without. I can't remember what the quote was, and I'll be I'll libel someone, but it, he was going on about how Alpine still think it was the right decision to get rid of him. And Alonso may as well have said, well, you can shut the fuck up now, can't you? <laughs> How's your team doing? Eh? Boo-hoo. It was that sort of thing. It was some real, you know, smackdown stuff. Um, and he's right. And Alonso's right. He, he, what what, what did Otmar gain from having to mouth off about things which had gone wrong in the past? And he, he did this a lot in his career. He did this... Back in 2018, when sorry, just but um, back in 2018, when he when Ocon lost Max for race in Brazil because he mm. he unlapped himself mm. and hit Fana- uh, Max, and Max started playing pushy shovey. <laughs> Otmar sort of he was the Sky Sports on the pit wall sort of guy that weekend. He said, oh, I don't know what Max was doing, Max turned into him, but no, so it was, it was Ocon's fault. And he just, he has this thing where he doesn't forget history and he carries on going, I was right, I was right, I was right. He's always wrong. Yeah. He always gets it so wrong as well. The Piastri thing, we're going to take you to court. Okay. Why? Because uh, <laughs> we're free next Thursday. It does make <laughs> you wonder if he was just under so much pressure at the time. He, he carried on like kicking that. Will take you to court, can down the road to make it look like he was doing something mm. to save his own blushes. Well, the, the thing, the thing with the with the Renault group is they have been in absolute chaos. The whole group for God knows how long. I mean, you just you just look, you know, the the chief exec at the time, Carlos Gunn, smuggled out of his house in a cello case. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when the madness like that starts at the very top, yeah, yeah, you know, but by the by the time it's by the time it's trickled down to organisations underneath that, God knows what it's God knows what it's going to be like. Mm. And Alpine just seemed to be. I had a boss that used to describe it as as all over the place as an old woman's shit. <laughs> That's a lovely wow. thought. <laughs> <laughs> Falling apart like a leper in a wind tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> Credit Charlie Brooker, two thousand and something. Um, the the drivers, I tend to think, haven't been awful. Ocon, I think, has been quite good this year, mm. or he's been as good as he probably should have been. Gasly's been a bit under par, mm-hmm. but he is new to that team, and he seems to be only ever good in an Alpha Tauri. It mm. seems. But the whole the whole package, the whole operation, is just really Ferrari esque, and they can't they can't do. They were coming into the season going, "We're going to finish third, and now they're going, "Oh shit, we six. <laughs> I mean, what, then, what is it? This hundred hundred race plan? The... What is a hundred <laughs> race plan? That's not a thing. Yeah, they had they had a plan to be winning races within one hundred Formula One races. Right, that's not even like a set number of seasons, or that is just a number they've plucked out of thin air. Yeah, and Otmar was defending it the week before he got sacked. Said, yeah, we're on course for this hundred race plan, and then the head of um, the new head of Alpine comes out and says, after he sacked him and says, well, his 100 race plan was different to what the actual 100 race plan really is. What was Christ. his 100 race plan? I have got no idea. Survive after 12? 
<laughs> the thing is, what 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 I, I guess we're sort of saying right now is going to contradict slightly what you're going to hear later on in the show, which we recorded back on Thursday, where I think we're probably a bit more complimentary to Otmar. But at the same time, really, when we focus on his negatives now, they were real big negatives. Mm. He left Aston Martin. Uh, Aston Martin. Mm-hmm. He left Aston Martin in a worse position than they are now. He's leaving Alpine in a worse position, but I genuinely think they will be in six months' time. They'll be they'll finish sixth because that's all they can do. McLaren are too good, and they're nowhere near as bad as your Haas and Alfa Romeos. But there's they can only look up from here because they've got their blunders out of the way now. I think with Alpine, and they will get there. And their driving aren't bad. They they might be underperforming. Ocon, I think, has been pretty good this season, all things considered. But I, I don't think they're a bad outfit. I they're don't. I think they need a lead driver, though. Yeah, they do. Ocon He's is got the, the number driver. two, isn't he? He, he is the he, yeah he. But I think they're both number twos. I don't think Gasly's even stepping up as a number two at the moment, is he? No, probably not. But the, yeah. I, I just don't. I don't see what they do without some sort of direction. And when you, again, to go if to go back on the Bashan Offmar train. Um, the, he, the, they could have been going into this season with Oscar Piastri and Fernando Alonso. Yeah, <laughs> that could have been their driver lineup, and it would have been because I, I think um, uh, Piastri and um, for, uh, uh, Lando Norris could arguably become the best driver lineup on the grid. Hmm. Once Oscar's got a season under his belt as well, most equally consistent. Yeah, and I think I think you could have said the same thing about um, Fernando and Oscar. You know, if if uh, I think there might have been some, had to have been some sort of finagling with Piastri saying, "Look, Fernando's only got a, only got a set amount of time here. You are going to be de facto number two to Fernando to keep everything to keep everything fucking happy." Uh, but I think that would have worked out well for everybody in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they are shooting themselves in the foot at a Ferrari level. Mm, they're missing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think they've oh, that's, that's it. That's it. Ferrari have tried to shoot themselves in the foot and hit Alpine by mistake. Hang Possibly. on. How can, how can we haven't even fucking mentioned the fact that out of nowhere, Ryan Reynolds has bought a part of the team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Him and Rob McElhenney and Michael B. Jordan have done it, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. That's um, odd. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, you know, they now own 20% of Alpine, which is this... I said, I said when it happened, is this starting to creep in that Renault are gradually divesting themselves of the team again and they're going to pull out of Formula One? So I'm looking forward to Renault's return in 2028. <laughs> Possibly. If, if they do the Wrexham thing, then what they're going to end up doing is buy George Russell and then only slightly improve <laughs> and it'll make great TV. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's. I mean, it's a nailed on certainty that they are going to have their own Disney Plus series. Yeah. Didn't they say they were? Didn't they say they were already looking at it? Is that a fact? I I, I don't want to say it's a fact yet. I want to say it's 
something I heard, which could be fact. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> who I heard it from. Al- Alpine fans that only have a Netflix subscription, you're not going to get to see a great deal of them on Drive to Survive next year. <laughs> I mean, knowing Alpine, this series will be put on Canal Plus. It'll be in black and white with Serge Gainsbourg and uh, Ryan Reynolds with a little rolled-up cigarette going... Uh... Isn't he dead as well? Serge Gainsbourg, not Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I take this moment to say we're really sorry to the family of Bob Thurnley? <laughs> you don't know him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great point. <laughs> Could have kept kittens. <laughs> You're still bitter because he screwed up Alonso's second attempt at Indy. Oh, yeah, he did. I mean, I'm not, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> It was that was are such you, a. Sh- are you willing was, to forgive him? It was so. But when you consider, like the Alonso first indie indie run was so fucking exciting, and the second one, well, like was it the second one where they didn't have a steering wheel for him? Um. Yeah, and they brought the wrong car, and they put the wrong gearbox in, and. Yeah. So, <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. <laughs> I've got a lot of editing to do tonight anyway. Um, Lovely big ch- ch- PRS p- uh, check in the post down in Montreal this weekend, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> right, so we've done the, we've done the back half of um, effectively the mid-season grid. Um, and as it's gone on a little bit longer than I thought we have something else to put in tonight, I reckon we do the top five teams next week. Yeah, can do. Fair yeah, enough. I'm, I'm yeah. up for that. Yeah. Sorry about um, that. Because Ferrari's not going to be a quick one. No, it's very true. <laughs> we need to do that justice. What's your whole week like next week? <laughs> <laughs> it's Manx Grand Prix. <laughs> if, we're just, if we're just talking about Ferrari, sadder. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we'll do from uh, we'll do from McLaren to, um, to Red Bull next week, uh, which will be the... 80% happy part of the uh, the review. Yeah. <laughs> but in the meantime, um, me and Kieran, mainly mainly Kieran, um, had a chat with um, F1 journalist Adam Hay Nichols last week, who has got a new book out, uh, and it's the first biography of Charles Leclerc. Um, we sat down and had a had a bit of a natter with him, and um, he had quite a few interesting things to say. So, we will um, put that on for you now. Right, and as promised, joining us tonight, we have well-respected F1 journalist Adam Hay Nichols. Adam, thank you so much for um, agreeing to join us this week. Um, pleasure to have you on. And you have been around the paddock for hmm, a few years, shall we say? We'll be polite. Um, any salacious gossip stories you want to uh, you want to share with us? Because this podcast does have a bit of notoriety for um how do how do we best say it Kieran getting under oh, the lid yeah try, trying to find the story deeper than what's on the surface um how, how well, long I mean, you know I, yeah I mean there's been lots of gossip over the years I mean I don't really know where to start but I mean I think yeah I mean if, um yeah I probably can't just blurt it out you probably have to um you know slightly uh fluff me first really 
um, because uh, yeah, it, it, but uh, you know, pop out a name and I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, what uh, one to start with on a subject very close to you, um, Charles Leclerc, who I believe you have a new book about. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so I've written this. Uh, it's I think it's the first um, biography of uh, Charles Leclerc or Charles Leclerc or however you want to pronounce his name, and um, it's been a lot of fun to uh, to write and research. Um, and the reason I wanted to write a book about him, um, aside from the fact that he's a very talented driver, is because I found him to be a very interesting character. I mean, he's a gentleman, um, which I think is pretty rare in sport and certainly rare in Formula One these days. Um, and he's, I think what appealed to me about his story is that compared to a lot of drivers who sort of had these kind of blessed lives and, you know, there were quite a few drivers on the grid, as we all know, have sort of billionaire fathers and stuff like that. And it's not that difficult to become a Formula One driver if you have access to unlimited, you know, mileage in your own private test track. And um, there are a handful of drivers who've come up through the ranks um, based on talent alone. And Leclerc is one of them. Hamilton's obviously another. Verstappen, superbly talented, but you know, let's face it, his father was a Formula One driver. You know, I mean, there's a hell of a lot of um, of nepotism that that goes on in the sport. And um, you know, Leclerc got there uh, on his own, and along the way, he lost um, a few people very close to him, including his father and Jules Bianchi, of course. Um, and um, the reason that I I think I chose to write his story, and I don't say this in the book, but I lost my father at a young age, and I think that that's really um, what sort of drew me to Charles, and I felt a sort of connection there. So I wanted to tell the story. That's that's really interesting that you say that, because I think... Do, do you feel... Uh, tell me if this is too much of a personal question. Do you think it... Do you feel it's um, it's good for you to explore other people who have been in that similar situation, like and also to be in the public limelight as well? I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing. When I mean, I think uh, Charles was sort of eighteen, which is you know not not as young. I mean, I was seven when I lost my dad. But I mean, I think that when something like that happens, you know, it, it obviously shapes you as a person. And um, and there are a lot of interesting, particularly like a lot of the a lot of the. Um, a lot of rock stars lost their mothers at a young age, you know. So, I mean, it, it does sort of drive you, I think, um, in terms of ambition, in terms of creativity, potentially. Um, it's certain tough, certainly toughens you up. And, um, yeah, and I think uh, Charles is a, is a tough nut, you know, and he's um, he's got this, um, this inner steel that's been forged in grief. And you take, you know, the 2019 Belgian Grand Prix, which was the first race he won, and he won it the day after um, Antoine Hubert died, who was one of his best friends. And um, to um, have the race of his life the day after that, didn't make a mistake, absolutely driven, um, is, a, is a hell of a sporting achievement. He, he basically took all of this raw emotion and with furious alchemy turned it into um, unassailable pace. It was uh, very impressive, and I think that's the mark of the man. Yeah, I mean, I've got... I've... I've got to say, what just watching from a distance the whole the whole of that weekend, um, I I was amazed he could even get in the car after yeah. seeing what had happened yeah. the um, the previous afternoon, and then just to go out and perform at that level. I mean, he I think I still think that's the best race of his career. Yeah, the best, yeah. The best far and away the best performance that he's had, and. Yeah. You know, just but when you like when you you know, as I say, when you've um, when you've already lost a couple of people close to you, and then something like happens, like that happens, and you can sort of take it in your stride because you've already experienced worse. And so you've got a lo- bunch of um, bunch of other youngsters on the grid who've never been at a racetrack where somebody's died before, 
but he's yeah. he's had that. He had. I mean, he wasn't at the track at Suzuka when Bianchi suffered his accident from which he later died. Um, but he went through all of those raw emotions, and um, he understands the risk better than most of the other drivers on the grid. Yeah, there's very few people, I guess, who are actually touched by, um, of course, the worst thing which could happen on a race weekend. And he had in 2019 his... Am I right in thinking that he, he, uh, Jules was his godfather? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was his godfather, but they were obviously they weren't that different in age. I mean, he was no. a very young godfather. And they were they were like brothers, and um, they were they were very very close, and uh, to the point where you know Charles almost started to adopt his mannerisms and all the rest of it. I mean, they were like brothers. It's interesting you say that in the book as well that because the um, the, there's a similarity between sort of the Bianchi family and the Leclerc family, and that the brothers were also racers, but they had to give up a bit of their time to let arguably the most talented one focus on their time on it so they very much sort of grew up as arguably a mentor system as well between the two yeah yeah i mean both both uh, both of his brothers um well the whole family made sacrifices obviously but it was very clear that charles was a sort of chosen one not obviously in in respect of you know love and all the rest of it but you know the one that we're going to put the money behind yeah and uh, you know lorenzo who's the elder brother you know he was a he was good in carts and all the rest of it, but he uh, he stopped so that Charles could have the focus. And then Arthur as well, young Arthur, who's um, he's now you know racing in single seaters, but you know he was coming up through the ranks in karting, and he had to stop for several years um, so that all the resources could go behind Charles. Because you know, as we all know, you know when you're going through single seaters, even if you've got a bit of sponsorship and your and your manager's Nicholas Todd you know um it, it costs a huge amount of money and um you know despite the fact that he he's grew up in monaco which makes it sound like he's you know uh, from uh a, you know a rich start in life that's not actually the case um his family um were very much from the sort of working population in monaco his uh, maternal uh grandfather had quite a lot of money but he would basically pay for like the hotels when he went racing but he would never put the money into the racing which is obviously the expensive bit so his father had to um work all hours to pay for everything really um and but he only really came off once um once charles was you know doing his thing and getting the results and being managed by nicholas todd and and winning championships in you know gp3 and f2 yeah um, just to, just to prove that everyone that lives in an offshore financial centre isn't a completely loaded tax exile, I just I just want to make that clear for a few people that <laughs> yeah, have, no, I mean, I have pointed that in our direction. <laughs> a spokesperson for the Isle of Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sean Kelly calls us a bunch of um, what is it? Ta- tax dodging pseudo rich people. <laughs> um, what's Sean like outside of the cockpit? Have you? I, have you been? Why is it like interactive him, interviewing him, chatting to him? Is he quite a grounded person, or is he always sort of quite laser focused on racing? Um, very polite um, is yeah. is the first thing. Very polite, jolly, likes a joke. You know, he's um, he's funny, a uh, very good sense of humour, and he and he always has that slightly. Um, I would describe it as that sort of sense of the very unarrogant way he has that sort of sense about him that he knows something that you don't <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as we found out at the weekend quite a talented pianist as well 
yeah, I mean, that's basically a, a lockdown hobby of his, um, is that he learned to play the piano and he bought a baby Steinway. And um, yeah, that's 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 one of his one of his lockdown projects. He did a few things. In fact, he was um, during lockdown. Also, he was uh, um, he was doing some stuff for the Red Cross in Monaco and like driving an ambulance and stuff. Oh wow! So imagine, wow. imagine you know, getting in the back of an ambulance. And I think, <laughs> I think he was more actually delivering PPE. But even so, you know, not bad ambulance driver. Yeah, watching Charles Leclerc rock up, <laughs> you're on the stretcher going. Oh my word! Yeah. Okay, I could get to hospital quick at least. <laughs> I mean, knowing his luck, it would have blown the engine as well. But never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, go ahead, Paul. Sorry. No, sorry. I was, I was, I was, I was just about to make a joke about Ferrari pit strategy, but <laughs> <laughs> actually, there's, there's something else in the book which is really interesting. I have to, I have to say, the book. I, I listen to the audio book version of mm. it, so in the book to but but to me in the seven hour long podcast essentially um you talk about how something which is i I guess really poignant now but isn't really poignant at the time it's his first monaco grand prix in f1 in 2019 and about how 2018 is his first uh, monaco Grand Prix. oh sorry my apologies for ferrari in 2019 yeah Yeah. the 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 first ferrari in 2018 he had the crash didn't he his brakes failed and that's right yeah yeah ran into um um, uh, the Kiwi lab, whatever his name was. Well remembered in the Formula yeah. 1 circles. Yes. Um, had, a lot of ex- had a lot of experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, in 2019, the, he started near the back of the grid because of the Ferrari error, essentially. Yeah. And these errors have sort of plagued him at various points, but it seems especially at Monaco. Do you think four drivers, I and mean, this is probably a, a a, sim- a simple answer to this question. Do you think drivers get quite het up when something which isn't necessarily through their own doing, if you ignore the crash with Hulkenberg during the race, um, do you think drivers get quite het up when they don't succeed at somewhere which is quite special to them? Do you think it really affects them for the rest of their other races? Or do you think they um, can park it? Well, no, not at their other races. I mean, I think that certainly, you know, the expectation can weigh heavy on the shoulders at certain races. And, um, and, and also... Um, you know, it's described as his Monaco curse, right? But the, the fact of the matter is that um, once something goes wrong a couple of times, you know, it's always in the back of your mind. It's like if you fail your driving test twice, the third time you're absolutely bricking it, you're going to do it again. So, um, so that's probably what, what happens. But he's had he's had terrible luck, and you know, and, and the last couple of times it's been strategy, and um, and you know that that is an issue for Ferrari. It was a, for issue for Ferrari. It was, a, it was an issue under um, uh, Benotto, and it seems to be a bit of an issue still under Fred Vasseur. And you know, massive respect for Fred, and you know, he and uh, Charles go way back. Um, it should be a super team, but you know, the, the mistakes are still happening. And um, you know, they haven't got a bad car, um, but it's these operational mistakes that keep happening which are so frustrating and you can't win championships if you're fluffing pit stops and screwing up your strategy yeah. putting the wrong tires on that sort of thing you know it, it just doesn't happen red bull don't make a mistake ever you're not going to beat red bull um if you keep making those mistakes yeah oh sorry sorry was i meant to say something there? oh sorry i i'm here <laughs> one, there's there's one more thing i wanted to say on shoulder claire and mm. I guess it comes from his earlier racing through 2016, 
doing GP3 in one year, 2017 doing F2 in one year. There's some drivers which get through that system very quickly and then they can turn up to Formula 1 and maybe not necessarily hit it. Do you think it's... I mean, I'm not saying Charles Leclerc hasn't hit Formula 1. You know, He nearly won his was Bahrain his second third race he yeah, won Ferrari. Yeah. Belgium Italy oh sorry yeah Ferrari um he he really sort of hit the ball rolling very quickly mm. do you think there are do you do you think the the junior formula and the succeeding junior formula is the key to success in formula one or do you think it's good to sort of do the the worker thing that drivers like Paul Cher or Van Dorn uh have done in the past to try and get to Formula One do you think it's is it better to have more time in junior series? Um, you know, I mean, let's take Verstappen, for example. Um, Verstappen was um, on the way up with Leclerc, you know, similar age. Charles was a little bit younger. They were going up going up the ranks together. They were taking wins and championships off each other all the way up. And um, and then, you know, so the last bit, um, you know, Verstappen basically skipped a run and went straight into F1. Yeah. and immediately dazzled. Um, Charles did the sensible option, which was to do each run, but one year in each, and then came out and also immediately impressed. You know, I mean, yeah. his first, uh, uh, well, I mean, basically, all, I mean, I know, I realise that this season is, uh, you know, he's struggling a little bit with the car and all the rest of it, but up until this point, I mean, it's been up and up and up and up. And, um, you know, whereas you get other drivers... Uh, who, for whatever reason, you know, they do two years in GP2, F2, whatever, you know, and the, they just lose the momentum. And basically, you know, it's it's just bloody competitive. Um, to get into Formula One, you need to deliver it every year, every time. And there's there's no excuses for being a rookie. You need to go out and win races in year one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's no apprenticeship. So um, basically... You know, it used to be that you turn up in Formula One when you were like sort of 28 years old with a bunch of experience behind you and maturity. And now you turn up at sort of like 19, 20, having, you know, basically not properly been to school. And um, and you have to make sense of it. It's, it's, it's not easy. And I actually don't think it's healthy. But, you know, that's the way it's working now. That's what all these, um, you know, teams and academies are looking for. And uh, it's sink or swim. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's something that I've said before. You go back to 2000 when Jensen Button was making his debut and the outcry about, oh, 20 years old, is he way too young for this? Is he, is he going to be able to cope at 20 years old in an F1 car? Yeah. And now we've had race winners younger than that. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's that really is the way that um, things have changed. Obviously, I mean, the, the junior series weren't as sort of organised and there wasn't the, there wasn't the exact pathway that we've got now, mm. which I think, you know, that's something that Liberty, I think, really done well, is to yeah. um, work with the FIA to get the pathway from regional F4, F3, F2, and then the final step. Well, they're all, it's, it's very organised, and there are more and more championships, but they're all incredibly expensive. Yeah, know, that's unless, that's what I was going to... You know, you know. Yeah, that's what I was going to touch on earlier, because um, a couple of years ago, we had uh, Abby Pulling on the show. Mm. Who's um, obviously now in the F1 Academy and on the um, on the Alpine Academy program, and we asked her off the record. I'm not going to give any numbers out here. Um, what it, you know, what various areas of sponsorship on the car would be 
what the cost would be just to keep her on the track for the season and the figures that she gave were absolutely mind-blowing and that was just for a british f4 car and mm-hmm. you know there was um six figures well into six figures just for a just for a small area of the car and that all went to the budget that wasn't going to you know that wasn't going in her back pocket that was actually going to keeping the keeping the team on the track yeah. yeah, I mean, also in the lower formula, it's almost impossible to raise enough sponsorship to cover the costs, you know. And um, uh, I mean, only because motorsport sponsorship really only makes sense once you're in the sort of top tiers, um, certainly in single seaters. Um, so, so basically, that's why um, Formula One drivers are reliant on having rich parents or their parents having rich friends. That's sort yeah. of how it works, you know. Or they come from um, you know, a country or they've got, you know, some kind of USP whereby they can leverage sponsorship that way. Just like yes. said, uh, Sergio Perez has done with um, the backing that he's got from Carlos Slim, for example. Yeah, I mean, so so um, Carlos Slim sponsored a whole bunch of Mexican drivers um, and Perez became sort of the favourite one. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, they, I mean, basically what, what, you know, Telmex and the Carlos Sim empire, you know, what they were doing is a bit similar to what, you know, um, Elf were doing with French drivers in the seventies and early eighties. And, um, you know, Perez has emerged as the Alain Prost of, um, <laughs> of Mexico, although, you know, I don't see him getting full world championships with, say, with, <laughs> with, with slightly less wins, but just as big a rivalry with a teammate. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think, yeah, I think when it was Prost Senna, it was a little bit more even than um, Verstappen Perez. But <laughs> yeah. it's nice. Um, it's interesting, yeah, because you say about governments back in what year was it? 2015. I was doing a MA Uni project on junior motor racing. We chat about Alex Rossi, and he was saying um, mm. to get the Marussia seat for, or whatever it was called then, Manor in 2016. He he wasn't going up against Rio Harianto necessarily as in a driver talent thing. He was going up against the Indonesian government. They were the ones yeah. who were really pushing for Harianto. Um, yeah. So it's either you could you could be as talented as you need to be as successful in junior motorsport. I'm not saying Harianto was necessarily slow in F or GP2 as it was at the time, but yeah, you can come across if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. You just don't make it. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh... And unfortunately, F1 teams will always take the, um, you know, the fast, the, you know, the the, the quick, the, you know, the fast money, the quickest way to make a buck, you know, not necessarily the the best way long term, you know, yeah. very short sighted. I mean, I I think it's just, I think it's amazing, in this day and age, that uh, F1 teams rely on young drivers to bring in sponsorship. I mean, these are professional organisations that have professional sponsorship departments, but they're they're the, these departments are purely there to service the existing sponsors and you know there's there's very little proactivity it's it's oh. shocking to me and 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 it's been this way forever so sorry paul i was i was just i was just going to say um you you read about young drivers having to spend 50 percent of their time when they should be learning racecraft learning selling themselves and actually trying to trying to prize money out of companies just to get their name on a on a pair of overalls and yeah that's, it's, yeah. A massive distraction. It's, it's a massive distraction and also you know it's one thing when you're you know you're in your 20s or in your 30s but you know when you're meant to be doing your gcse's 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're trying to do your racing and all the rest of it. You're meant to go out and do that. I mean, it's balmy. It's actually yeah. balmy. So, you know, I mean, you know, they, um, you know, you sort of wonder what these managers do and all the rest of it. But it's, you know, it's it's their job to go out and get the sponsorship, not the kids. Mm. How are you finding Formula One in 2023, going out to races? Um, yeah, how, how are you how are you finding this season in general? I mean, it's not a classic so far. I mean, look, <laughs> you can argue the fact that, you know, we, we may be about to see the most dominant F1 driver and F1 team over the course of the season that we've ever seen. And history, you know, in, in the history books, we'll look back and think. I mean, it's the same way that, you know, you look back in the Schumacher years between 2000 and 2004, right? And you think, wow, you know, glory years. Well, no, because at the time it was incredibly bloody boring. I mean, it was boring. Um, you know, every time you knew it was going to be Schumacher, or maybe he'd let Barrichello pass or something like that. Bloody boring. Even though, you know, you were watching incredible engineering and whatever, you know. Um, and um, I, I think we need rivalries. We need we need, we need, need a fight for the championship. Ideally, we need more than one team in the fight for the championship. There are some great stories, you know, further down the pack. I would love to see Alonso win in an Aston Martin. God, that would be good. I really want to see Lewis Hamilton win another race, ideally this year. You know, you've got, I mean, there, there are a bunch of teams. You know, Alex Albon, wow, what a start. You know, I, I mean, he deserves a top seat again. Um, there's a perfect example of being, you know, sort of like, you know, going through the Red Bull system and, you know, being sort of over promoted too fast and, you know, it threatened to destroy his career. Well, he's coming back and he's, you know, emerging as one of the best drivers on the grid. And there are now loads of rumors about maybe him going to Ferrari and taking sights to seat. So there are, um, you know, there are some, some good drivers out there. Um, there are some good rivalries further down the pack, but. Verstappen winning every race is a bit of a turn off, and that and I tell you what, I mean, you know, I don't, I mean, you know, the twenty twenty one season, you know, Verstappen uh, Hamilton, which will go down as one of the all time classics, um, which was obviously catnip for um, a series like Drive to Survive. I don't know what Drive to Survive is really going to be able to do to spin this one. I mean, it's a bit of a it's a it's a bit of a flop this season. I'm sure they'll probably still manage to get a full episode on Gunther Steiner. Well, I mean, when when Otmar when Otmar got fired, I was like, "That's an episode." <laughs> Fun, fun, funnily enough, we we said the, we said the same on our chat group. Yeah, yeah. I mean that yeah. that is a bit of an odd one. Um, firing your team principal. Yeah, mid mid season, um, mid weekend. Well, yeah, yeah, mid weekend. Well, that yeah, even rarer. I mean, um, look, you know, I, I, I like Otmar a lot um, and I've known him for quite a long time and he's very, very able and he's great and he's an asset to the paddock and I hope he comes back um, in some other guise. But uh, yes, I do think that's a massive mistake um, and also letting go, go of Alan Main and all the rest of it. I mean, yeah. what it seems to be is, um, you know, the sort of the, the Alpine suits or the Renault suits, um, you know, in Paris, um, thinking, okay, we want to win Grand Prix. We need to make changes and not understanding that it takes a long time. You have to put the jigsaw together first. And that's what Otmar was doing. And um, I think, you know, I think that they've actually, um, um, I think they've frightened the birds actually with it because I think a lot of um, staff at Henstone are going to start looking for other jobs. Um, right. And I think that, I mean, you know, you look at Alonso and you look at um, Oscar Piastri and you think, yeah, they made the right decision. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so strange to think that um, 
you'd look at the Alonso decision a year ago and go, Aston Martin, seventh, eighth mm. best team on the grid. You sure? I don't yeah. know what. Several times Alonso has made the wrong career decision, but he's absolutely nailed this one. Um, with when it comes to those sort of things which happen in the paddock, do you think that people get an inkling, get a heads up that something is happening behind the scenes for them before it's officially announced, or do you think these things? Do you think people are surprised by these things, or or do you think they know something like this is coming? Because Alan Permain, for all the things that the Enstone team has gone through over the years, it's hard to see this one being the one that sinks Alan Permain out of out of Renault Alpine. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, uh, Alan has been at it for a long time, and I wouldn't blame him at all if he just chose to retire. Yeah, but um, you know. Um, these things are all, they, they don't always come as a complete surprise. You know, you sort of, it, 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 you might only hear about it the day before or whatever, but these, these rumors always start whirling. And it, it was, it was like that with Otmar for, uh, for, a, for a few weeks, actually. Yeah. But I didn't want to believe it, you know. I mean, I just thought, surely they can't be that stupid. Yeah. No, it's totally understandable as well. On the Thursday of the weekend, you're mm. sacked after this weekend, but please hang around. Yeah. There's, several office-based jobs where you firmly park it when you're not <laughs> needed for for that long. But to be let go of a race weekend when you've got the world's media on you is something else. Well, I mean, it had all the hallmarks of a knee-jerk last-minute decision. But, I mean, yeah. I, I, I think it was a, 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 yeah, a big, big error. Hmm. Uh, but, you know, but you know what the rumour is, is that uh, Mattia Bonotto is going to um, take over. That's going to be my next question. Do you think Bonotto is... The right replacement for Schaffnauer? Do you think? Do you think there's a? Do you think it will make much of a difference behind the scenes? Not really. Um, I mean, I think it will take a year for him to bed in. Um, so that's another year lost. Um, yeah. And you know, Benotto, he's he's really good. He's really good. But I mean, I I do think that he was best as a kind of um, a technical uh, chief more than a, a you know a sort of CEO type team principal. Yeah. So. You know, he, 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 I mean, maybe if he hadn't been made team principal at Ferrari, maybe if he'd stayed in the job that he was in, Ferrari would be um, challenging Red Bull right now. Mm. But that would, have, that would have involved Ferrari making a good decision. And as we know, they're <laughs> historically, historically not the best at getting things right. Form's not on yeah, their I mean, Yeah, you've got, you've got a, quite a lot of um, chefs in the kitchen there. And, yeah. um, you know, you've got John Elkin, who's the sort of Agnelli scion, who's ostensibly the, the, the big white chief. Um, but then you've got lots of other people trying to get his ear. And um, I get the sense with Elkin that he's, he, you know, he he um, believes and sides with the last person he spoke to. Um, mm. And, um, yeah, um, really, I think you need um, leadership there with a bit more of an iron fist and obviously overall vision. And um, yeah, I think um, I, I think I think they've um, you know they've buggered it up frankly. <laughs> for, for a while, for a while, yeah, yeah. Well, let's see, you know. But the thing is with Fred as well, you know. I mean, obviously, he's not the first Frenchman that's run um, Scuderia Ferrari, and the last one did a pretty good job. Um, so, and he, you know, he he can um, you know, he's, he, he, although he's a you know a lovely avuncular guy, he can also you know play the politics. But he's going to have to um, with this, and it's going to take some time. But we all want to, well, I mean, you know, I don't have a favourite team or favourite driver. I always say, you know, my favourite's the one who's buying the drinks. But, you know, Ferrari is <laughs> You, sh- you um, sure you're not from Yorkshire? 
I think I, I do I do have some northern blood, yeah. And um, you know, and and um yeah, we all want to see Farai do well. Um you know, that's very important, I think, for the for the Formula brand. Um, you know, I like underdogs, so I like um, you know, I like the prospect of a team like Ferrari getting the occasional win, not necessarily, you know, championship after championship. But um yeah, I wanna see Ferrari back um as soon as possible. And uh, obviously, I'd like for uh, Charlotte Clerk to win um, a race as soon as possible so that maybe I can sell some books because right now I can almost <laughs> feel being discounted in real time because he's, um, <laughs> he's you know, he's on a championship hunt that they've seen. Well, if, anyone, if anyone's listening, how do they get their hands on a copy of your book? Um, well, I believe it's um, available from all good bookshops. Um, it's certainly available on Amazon and um, it should be in some real life bookshops. It's at Smith's and uh, Wollstones and that sort of thing, and uh, of course, of course, the audible version as well. That uh... yes, yeah, yeah, the the audible version as well, which um which came out before the um, paperback. I'm not really sure why, um, but um, although if you get the paperback, then you get a prologue at the start, which wasn't recorded on the audiobook version. I'm not really sure why, but anyway, um, yeah. but they're both great. Well, I mean, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> if you may say so yourself, <laughs> <laughs> the. Uh... What I do quite like about the audiobook is that um, I can't remember who the person who is reading the audiobook is. Yes, um, yes. And a chap called Luis Soto, um, who's, um, who's, he's, he's Spanish, but he, he speaks in lovely received pronunciation. But the funny thing is that he, he sort of overpronounces foreign words, which I rather enjoy. So exactly what I was about to say. Me. <laughs> yeah. it's pro- I think it's, it's great. It's very, oh yes, and this is the Formula One race. Of course, it was won by Esteban Ocon. It's, yeah, it's yes, fantastic. Ocon. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I I'm going to have to get a copy yeah, of this. All, all the foreign words is, is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, like a, it's like a linguistic travelogue. It's marvellous. <laughs> it's wonderful. Very well, enjoyable. I've, I've still got an hour left of it, so I'm looking forward to getting through the last hour. Um <laughs> I, I, I may be starting this very soon. I might actually, I might actually um, go and uh, spend one of my Audible credits on a copy now. Yeah. <laughs> and if your publishers are very nice to us, hopefully we'll have a couple of copies to um, to give away because we'd like everybody to read it because it is. Um, I've um, I've started reading it. It's a, it's a cracking read, and um, I definitely definitely recommend uh, definitely recommend a read or obviously a listen. And. Uh, all I can say, Adam, is thank you very much for um, coming on and um, giving up some of your time. And maybe um, you'll come on the show again when uh, the whole team's here and we can have a full F1 chat. Yeah, that'd be terrific. That'd be really, really good. Um, just let me know any time. I'd be more than happy. Yeah, and um, what we what we always do with guests as well is how do people follow you on the socials? Where, whereabouts can they find you? Yep, um, so I'm on Twitter, uh, which is at... Adam Hay Nichols without the hyphen, which is usually there, and I am on Instagram as well, which is uh, at Adamski one seven three. That, uh, that's most, in tune most... with your name and yeah. not your love for Adamski, most... I'm assuming. No, no, it is for my love for Adamski. That's why. <laughs> that's why. Yeah, killer and you know all that. Yeah, absolutely. No, um, he's, no, he's um, put a seal on that. I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see myself killer, out. Um, so yeah, F one is uh, Twitter is mostly where I post F one stuff, and Instagram is more where I post um, pictures of me dicking around in supercars um, or on holiday. Um, but you know, t- take your pick. Ah, that's great, Adam. Thank you, uh, thank you so much, and hopefully, like I say, we'll speak. Uh, we'll speak again soon. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. 
Right, there we go. And uh, we're hoping to have a few more guests on over the next few weeks as well. We're, um, we're actually working hard to um, make up for all the weeks that we've missed by getting extra people on, just so as it averages out over the course of the year. <laughs> must get must get in touch with Scarbs again at some point. He's uh, he's well overdue. And Statman as well. Yeah. Um, right, well, thanks for uh, listening to our opinions on the um, on the bottom half of the grid. We will be more positive about the top half, uh, well, most of the top half. No, they, they've all had dramas, though, haven't they? <laughs> I'm looking forward to next week. I'm really looking forward to yeah, that, yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of things to say. Yeah, clear your diaries. It's not going to be the shortest show that we've ever done next week, I don't think. Um, if you want to get in touch, then, obviously, the website, threelegsfourwheels.com. Um, you can also do the prediction game on there, which will be, obviously, kicking off again in in a couple of weeks for the Dutch Grand Prix. It feels weird having a Dutch Grand Prix after the end of the summer break and not a Belgian one. Mm. Yeah. Not sure how I feel about this. Mm. They're both, I'm, Max, I'm, both Max Verstappen races anyway, aren't they? I'm I'm going to miss part or nearly all of the next three or four races, which is really... Well, I'll, I'll catch the races eventually. I've got so much going on in the next few weeks that by the time it comes around to about Suzuka or Qatar... I'll be on the podcast going, what happened to the Dutch Grand Prix? I've got no <laughs> knowledge of it whatsoever. Um, yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. I mean, I can't wait to see my family and friends and move house and all that sort of thing. Adam's <laughs> wedding, it's going to be lovely. If he could have done it, not on Qatar Grand Prix weekend, I'd be very grateful. <laughs> so selfish. Uh, yeah, evil bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Although saying that, it's a British Grand Prix weekend, I couldn't watch the race live. Because I was taking my son to an um like a dinosaur show that was on at the like local theatre. And uh I I couldn't help think to myself, if I'd have realized this at the time, you wouldn't have been going to this fucking show. (laughs) 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 We have a calendar at home now which is basically which weekends are free. Okay, well, Dutch is twenty sixth of August. Monster to second, da 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 da. December. <coughs> Not good. Yeah. yeah, I think we booked a holiday for um, conveniently just a few hours after the. Um, is it the Qatar race? I can't remember actually that far in advance the calendar. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to look at this. I know there's, I know there's one that we're definitely. Um, go, yeah, it's. Um, yes, we go away the day of the Qatar Grand Prix. Yeah. That's bad timing, but we're home in time for the US one two weeks later. So <laughs> We're away for a week over the Suzuka Grand Prix, and we're going to Rhodes in Greece when they pull it out. Um, and I think it's Suzuka, which is 7am, which means for us it's 9am. So oh, that's like I've almost pleasing. done a good thing. Yes. Yeah, oh, that's, uh... I like that. Yeah, that's... Oh, listen more on the second half of the Three Legs Travel Report. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I have to do travel, traffic and travel two days a week now. And I, it's, I won't lie to you, it's mostly pre-recorded. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I traffic to... is yes. pre-recorded. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're getting all the secrets of local radio here. I, I, can, I can do our traffic and travel. If there's nothing happening, I can do it without a script. Because it's always exactly the same every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when the when the boat does something weird because the tides are a bit funny in Hesham, I am fucked. <laughs> <laughs> 
I always end my traffic travel report with, if you see anything out there, please do get in touch with us. But it's pre-recorded. That's so really I can't weird. Help you. <laughs> That's how I end my UFO podcast. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, if you um, if you do say anything out there and want to get in touch with us, then you can email threelegsballwheels at gmail.com or at threelegsballwheels on the socials or um, look for us on Discord. Um, there's always chats going on and all our sim racing stuff on there. And individually on Twitter and other socials, we are... At Sean Cowper. At Kieran is boring. At the Lee Stevens. Uh, Chris is at Flood21. He will be coming back soon. Um, happy birthday, Chris, by the way. It's round about now. Oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday. birthday. And uh, I am you... at Pablo100. Um, it's not called Twitter anymore. Oh, sorry, X. X. You can, Elon chat. You, you, can, you can X us at... <laughs> That just sounds wrong. <laughs> and it does. If... He, he, he need, there needs to be a new word for tweets if he's going to go and mm. do this sort of stuff. Yeah. As someone who used to work for the BBC, I can't say you can X us. <laughs> <laughs> you end up in the Daily Mail. <laughs> and nobody wants that. Um, right, we'll be back next week with um, the top ha- top half of the um, team standings, and I am convinced there will be some silly season manoeuvrings before then, and a preview of the wrongly scheduled Dutch Grand Prix. <laughs> so, in the meantime, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.